0: Okay, we're having a light issue, so, and I'm blind in the dark. It's good for you all to be here. Let there be, let there not be. (laughs) Hey, you know, uh, uh, the thing that Christmas is about is that Jesus came near and that that the King is among us, that Jesus came to dwell with us. It's what the prophet Isaiah predicted in 700 years before the first Christmas in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. He predicted this, and Matthew said in his gospel that, that the coming of Christ was the fulfillment of this prophecy. I think we have that. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin, and the prophet would be Isaiah, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Uh, the fact that Christmas is about God being, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. I love it when a plan comes together. A little A-team, remember that? For us old people. Uh, and the fact that Jesus coming here and being among us is why John wrote the, this preamble to his, to his gospel. In the beginning... Was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through him, all things were made. Without him, nothing was made that has been made. In him was life. In him was life, right? So maybe we shouldn't be looking for life and money, (laughs) And careers and success and possessions and accomplishments, even in relationships, right? All those things fall short. Not bad things, but they fall short. In Him was life. And maybe that's why you're not finding the life you want because you're looking for it in the wrong places. In Him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness. Amen. We like it, right? And the darkness has not overcome it, right? The lights are still on then he says this, the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Emmanuel, God with us, the Word becoming flesh and making his dwelling among us. And understand, if, if God didn't do it and, and if God didn't reveal it, we would never have thought this thing up. I mean, why would an all-powerful, always-existing, all-knowing, all-present, creator of absolutely everything God, like the Milky Way, right, our galaxy, like like he created that. Why would a God like that do what he did? Uh, Leave all the splendor and all the glories of heaven. Take a huge step down by putting on human flesh. And listen, it is a huge step down from God to become a person, right? And we have no understanding of how huge that step is. I was meeting some guys for breakfast this week, and the way I try to understand it, you know, I know it's because of God's love, but I don't think I could ever love like that. And I said, what if I love maggots, right? We know what a maggot is, right? And I wanted those maggots to know how much I really love them. Would I be willing to take a step down and become a maggot and enter their world? And let me tell you, me becoming a maggot is a lot smaller step down. Infinitely smaller step down than God becoming a human. I have no clue why he did it, but I'm so glad that he did. Now, this morning we're kicking off a a mini Christmas series. I'm calling it Christmas Sermon Stuffers, right? (laughs) Yeah. Uh, and, And you know how, like stocking stuffers, right? It's just full of a bunch of stuff, but they're not really connected to each other, other than the fact that they're part of Christmas. Well, that's what I'm doing. You know, I'm going to talk about some awesome Christmas truth, but they're not really connected except that they have to do with Christmas, right? And so next week, we're going to talk about worshiping the wise men way, all right? Um, Christmas Eve, we're going to talk about He is the Gift. And this morning, three days before Christmas 2019, we're going to look at the very first Christmas song now, now, who here likes Christmas music? Oh, yeah. All right? And, and, and if you do, like, like, when do you start listening to it? Right. It's like everywhere, right? like, not just in church, right? And not just in retail stores. It's even in dental offices. A few weeks ago, I had a, a, a very deep cavity uh, drilled and filled while listening to Christmas music. Do you hear what I hear? Do you hear what I hear? A drill, a drill in your dentist's hand with the speed of 400,000 RPM, with the speed of 400,000 RPM. That is a speed, by the way. I looked that up. That's that a good song? You like that one? It's all, all kinds of music out there. Uh, this week, I, I went on YouTube and, and, and searched, you know, top 10 uh, Christmas classics. And I, I, I found this one here. Maybe some of these are your favorites. Okay, on the count of three, shout out your favorite non-Jesus Christmas song. One, two, three. All right, I got all that. Awesome. And, and I don't know how, how, if it works this way for you, but for me, a, a lot of those songs, they, they bring back memories, right? You know, they bring back memories. They, they bring back memories of candlelight services with my, my mom and dad, and my mom really loved Silent Night, and, and with my Aunt Frida, who was my great aunt from who immigrated from Austria in 1905, teaching us to sing that in German. It, it brings back memories of riding in the car and singing, you know, Jingle Bells and Frosty the Snowman and Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer like a light bulb. And uh, it, it also brings back memories of the time when I was about 11 or 12 and a bunch of kids in our neighborhood decided to go Christmas caroling. And it was then that I found out that I was severely lacking in the singing well department. Um, <laughs> Uh, By the time we got to the third house, this girl older than me looked at me and just said, you sing horrible. You are so monotone. I had no idea what monotone was, but I knew it wasn't nice, right? And it was heartbreaking. I never liked that girl after that. (laughs) So Christmas music, it brings back Christmas memories. And, and, And listen, songs have always been a part of Christmas. In fact, I think we could say it this way, that singing songs of praise may be our best response to the mystery of Christmas, right? And what a crazy mystery. I mean, we've already talked about it, but God putting on flesh and entering the muck and mire of this broken world, like, how in the world did a God who created all things reduce himself to an embryo, right, and then later to a seven-pound baby boy? It's crazy. And songs are just a part of Christmas, and not just now, but from the very first Christmas. And in fact, if you read Scripture, you find that oftentimes when someone talked about Jesus coming or or celebrating Him coming to the earth or hearing the good news, they would sing a song. And I want to talk about the very first song this morning um, after we pray. Uh, Father, we thank You for this time of year. We thank You for the truth of Your Word. And God, I just pray that right now we would each lean in and and listen to the first song that was sung, that first Christmas time by Jesus' mom. And Lord, I ask you just help me to uh, help me to honor you today, God. Help each of us to celebrate what Christmas really means, in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You know, as I was working on this message and reflecting on it, I I started wondering that if, you know, if some aliens in a galaxy far, far away, you know, if if they were to somehow hear our radio signals in the month of December, I, I wonder what they would conclude that Christmas is all about. Is it about snow falling and a white Christmas? Is it about sleigh bells ringing? Is it about reindeers and elves? A snowman who is frosty? Mama kissing some guy named Santa under the mistletoe? Is it about chestnuts roasting on the open fire? Is it about Jack Frost nipping at your toes? Is it about some head-on collision between a reindeer and somebody's grandma, right? <laughs> right? I mean, I think if that's all they got was a radio signal in a song, I think they'd be pretty clueless of the real meaning of Christmas. And, and don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying those songs are wrong or we shouldn't sing them or enjoy them. But they're not the real, they're not the deeper meaning of Christmas. Amen? Now, there's two points in your notes this morning. I want to talk about the writer of the song, which is Mary. And then I want us to look at the song itself and unpack it. But I think it's important sometimes to know something about the person who wrote a song, right? Like probably the most well-known hymn today, anywhere, not just in church, is Amazing Grace, right? I mean, it's a phenomenal song and, you know... It took on a greater meaning to me, you probably already know this, but it took on a greater meaning to me when I found out it was written by a guy named John Newton, who was an ex-slave trader, who surrendered his life to Christ. And I can almost imagine what he felt as his pen danced across the page writing these words, right? Can you imagine? Amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me, I once was lost But now I'm found, was blind, but now I see. So let's get to know Mary before we unpack her song. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 1, verse 26, or your Bible app, and it'll also pop up on the screen. We read, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. Now, now, now Nazareth was was an insignificant town. I mean, Gabriel probably had a looking it up on Google Maps just to find it. it. It sat on about 10 acres, had a population of maybe about 300. Uh, half of the population would die at birth, and the rest would die sometime in their 30s. So you got this small town, an insignificant town, 10 acres, 300 people located in a country, Israel, that had been occupied by foreign nations for centuries. And that's where Gabriel sent. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph a descendant of David. Now, in that culture, when a a, a girl reached the age of maybe 14 or 15, um, she would be engaged. So when you think of Mary, think about a girl about 14 or 15, she's in eighth or ninth grade. And she was was engaged to a guy named Joseph, a descendant of David. And And why is that important? Because God promised that through David, right, a thousand years earlier, right, he promised through David that the Messiah would come. And this is probably a pretty exciting time for Mary. She's looking forward to her her wedding, planning for a wedding. Any ladies ever plan for a wedding? And so that's what she's thinking about, right? You know, in their culture, the equivalent of wedding dresses, cakes, invitations, venues, flowers, counting the days. All was fine and normal until Gabriel shows up. And forget about those little cute hallmark angels, right? I mean, the dude was like, I I, I picture him being like maybe 10 feet tall wings and just like a spiritual beast, right? (laughs) Not a cute little, hey, let me hug you. All right. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was reached over and hugged him because he was so cute. No, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid. Mary, you found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now think about it. Like, out of nowhere, this angel pops in her room and says some pretty crazy stuff, right? I mean, that'd be crazy for anybody here, let alone a 14-year-old girl. I mean, imagine what that that was like. This guy shows up to you ladies and says, hey, guess what? You know, God has chosen you to give birth to his son, and his kingdom will never end. And and, and did you notice that Gabriel twice made a point of saying that Mary had found favor with God, and I think that's a bit surprising, and I think Mary found it confusing and disturbing. She was greatly troubled by it, because if there were two words that would describe her from a human perspective, the words would not be highly favored, but would probably be completely overlooked. Ever feel that way? I mean, after all, she's dirt poor. She's from a small, insignificant town. She's engaged to a blue-collar carpenter, and she has like zero power or influence. But listen, as God often does, he highly favors someone who our world would completely overlook. So we, as we study Mary's life, a question for us, I, I think, to consider is this. What was it about Mary that brought God's favor? I mean, what was it that marked her life that invited God's blessings. Because I know like that like me, you have a deep desire to have God's favor unleashed in your life. I mean, who doesn't want to live the kind of life, to have the kind of family, to be the kind of church that God blesses and pours out his favor on? Yeah, so what was there about Mary that brought on the favor of God? There are several things that we can look up, but to me, two characteristics just bubble up to the top. And the first is her humble spirit. Her humble spirit. You see, as we look at Mary's life and as we later look at her song, we'll see a young lady who lived with an an awareness not only of how huge God was, but how small she was. And, and, And so here's what I would say. Humility... humility is one of the qualities that opens up the door to God's favor in our lives like almost nothing else. Humility is one of the qualities that opens up the door to God's favor like almost anything else. Isaiah the prophet said this in Isaiah 66 verse 2. He says, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble. At my word. James 4.10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will what? Lift you up. He'll lift you up. understand, Maple Grove, when we humbly take a knee before the throne of the Lord and say, God, I I need your help. God, I've made a mess of things and, and I can't fix them on my own. God, my marriage is in a million broken pieces. But I know you're the one who can put it back together again. God, I've blown it with my kids, but you, God, are the one who can redeem anything. God, i made some mistakes in my past. I'm not proud of them. I know that you haven't given up on me. And God, I believe that you can put things back together and that you can make my path straight once more. God, I can't do it. I can't overcome it. I can't stand up under it. God, I've been trying and trying and trying and not seeing any results. God, I need your help. God, I've got nothing really to offer, but whatever I have, whoever I am, belongs to you. Listen, whenever God encounters a person with that kind of spirit, he will with great joy pour out and unleash his favor. Get it? Good. Let's continue. And let's in and Luke define what, what's the second thing about Mary that unleashed God's favor? Mary asked the angel, very good question, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. Angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say, people used to say she was barren people used to say she was too old people used to say a a lot of hurtful things about her but they could not have been more wrong a question what are what are what have people said about you what are you saying to you right you're too old you're too young you're not good enough you're 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 not you're not smart enough that you'll never measure up, that you'll never accomplish anything significant, that you'll never overcome it, that you'll never get past it. But listen, with Jesus, you could, be, could not be more wrong. Yeah, people used to say, until God got a hold of Elizabeth, she had an encounter with God. I love that. People used to say. And here's the point I'm trying to make. We need to stop And we need to get to the place. We need to get to the place where we stop letting what other people say limit our lives. We got to get to the place, you got to get to the place where you stop letting what other people say about you and even what you say about you limit your life. Amen? People used to say she was barren. But she conceived the son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Nothing's impossible with God. Uh, Our God can create everything out of nothing. He can... He can rain down manna from heaven. He, he can part seas. He can walk on water, right? He can slay giants. He can bring down walls. He can move mountains. He can raise the dead. He, he can cause a virgin to give birth to a son. He can move powerfully in the life of anyone, no matter how old Elizabeth or how young Mary. Nothing, nothing is impossible with our God. It's not. He can. He's able. And that is why we're happy and hopeful and that is why we sing and pray because our God is the God of the impossible. A God who can take take nobodies from nowhere and do great and amazing things. And I love Mary's response to all this fire hose of stuff. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. I love it. I, I mean, here's this 40 year old girl from a, a simple town with a, a simple faith, but understand it, it's a sincere faith. And I mean, Mary does. You know, she knows very little. She's not been formally educated. She doesn't have a Bible on her smartphone. She only has bits and pieces of Scripture that she treasures in her heart. But what she has is she has faith, even though it's maybe small as a mustard seed. You see, Mary actually believes what God says. Listen, most of us in this room, myself included, right, have far more information than Mary and far less faith in it. Uh, We think, hey, I need to learn more. I need to go to another Bible study. Yeah, maybe you do. But first things first, let's believe what we've already been taught. And let's live out and stand on what we already know. Amen? Again, Mary knows very little, but she trusts it all. It's amazing. She actually believes God and takes Him at His word. And she responds, I'm the Lord's servant. I don't get it, don't understand it, can't wrap my head around it, but whatever you want, God, is what I want. Whatever you want to do in my life is what I want. Wherever you call God, that that is where I'm going to go. I'm the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you please. And, and so the second quality in, in her life is, you know, Mary had a faith um, without borders. She had a faith without limitations, right? And I've always loved that in that song, Oceans, right? Most of us know that, that song. It says, Spirit lead me where my trust is without borders. Oh, God, I'll trust you to hear. <laughs> I don't know about over there. Spirit, lead me where my trust is without borders. Let me walk upon the waters. Talk about walking on waters, Mary. Wherever you would call me. Take me deeper than my feet could ever wander, and my faith will be made stronger. Where? In the presence of my Savior. You see, she actually believed and trusted in the God of the impossible. Luke continues, a few days later, Mary heard her to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived, she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth gave a, a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. Why am I so honored that the mother of my Lord and Savior visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed. Because you believed that God would do what he said. You are blessed because you believed that God would do what he said. And so that's the writer, right? A young girl poor from an insignificant town in an enemy-occupied country with a humble spirit and a faith without borders who believed that God would actually do what he said. Now let's unpack the song. Now in your Bible heading or top of your Bible app, it may say, you know, the Magnificat, right? And it sounds like a superhero cat. I actually found a, a picture of the Magnificat, right? right? It, it's not a name for a superhero cat, all right? It's not, you know? Uh, I know, my sense of humor needs work. Um, it, it's a Latin word meaning to praise, to glorify, to exalt, to enlarge, to amplify, all right? And that's what Mary does in this song. She, she magnifies the Lord, right? Uh, uh, let, let me read this song. Mary responded, respond it? Oh, how my soul magnifies the Lord. How my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl. And from now on, generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He scattered the proud and haughty ones. He brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He he has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty-handed. He has helped the servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. Then Luke writes, Mary stayed with Elizabeth about three months and then went back to her, her own home. Why three months? Because Elizabeth was six months pregnant and she was there when... When John was born and and as I looked at Mary's song I I see five ways five characteristics about God that she magnifies and they're all true they're all true And, and you may have even heard them before right that's a danger right of being a Christian for a long time right it's like oh okay yeah God became a baby and died on a cross yeah I know that I mean and it becomes routine, and we don't, it doesn't impact it the way it should. But maybe lean in and maybe hear these truths and actually believe them deeper than you ever have before. She magnifies the fact that God, God cares, God's care. Oh, how my soul magnifies the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. He has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. And Mary's spirit rejoices. Why? Because the Lord, her Savior, had, had taken notice of her because He he was mindful of her. He was mindful of the humble state of his servant. And, and when I hear that word mindful, my mind goes back a, a thousand years to David in Psalm 8, when David's like thinking about God, and he says, When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you set in place. What is mankind? Who am I that you are mindful? Who is mankind that you're mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. David is like, when I, when I see how huge you really are, like you breathe out stars, you know? And I think of the fact you're that big, but yet you care about me. I'm totally blown away. Like, are you kidding me, God? I made her tell you this morning, at you know, Christmas one of your Christmas gifts is that God cares and God is mindful of you. Need more proof? Psalm 139, how precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. How my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl. I understand the original Christmas song sings the Story of a God who sees, a God who cares, a God who notices, a God who pays attention, and a God God who is concerned about us. And and, and I'm convinced that that's exactly what God wants to say to a few people in this room today who may feel like God has forgotten them. I mean, things are difficult, things are hard, and you're wondering where he is. You're wondering why he's not intervened and acted, at least not in the way that you want it. If that's you this morning, three days before we celebrate Christmas, understand Christmas shouts that God cares, that God notices, that God is paying attention, and that God came and that God still is near. Amen? Amen. Understand, you and your situation, where you are and what you've been through, what you're facing are on his mind. He cares. He's concerned. He's near. Oh, how am I? soul magnifies the Lord how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior for he took notice of me. Next Mary magnifies God's might for the mighty one is holy and he's done great things for me. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. See this God who sees and cares is also he's a God who acts. And as Gabriel proclaims He's a God for nothing is impossible. I love it. Mary says, not only is he mighty, not only can he do great and tremendous things, but he already has done great things for her and for his people. You see, the, the good news of Christmas is that not only is God great, but that God is good. That God is good. You see, our God constantly uses his greatness for our goodness. He's a God who constantly uses his greatness for our goodness. Mary says, he's done great things for me. And I started thinking, well, what's he done for you? I mean, you're still poor. You're still from an insignificant town. Your country is still occupied. And you're about to have a, a very uh, unique Hard to explain pregnancy. But listen, to Mary, there was nothing greater than knowing that her God and Savior was mindful and had taken notice of her because then she could fully rest. And that greatness and goodness, right? See, if God is great and God is good, then we can rest. If God is great and God is good, then we can rest and that greatness, and that goodness. Amen? Amen? And God wants us to. I was just reading this morning in, in Isaiah chapter 30, this, verse 15. For the Lord God, the Holy One of Israel says, you will be delivered by returning and resting. Your strength will lie in quiet Confidence. But well, the next words are kind of sad, but you're not willing. He said, you'll be delivered when you when you rest in me, right? You'll be delivered when you return to me and, 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 and rest in quiet confidence, but you're not willing. You see, God really wants us to rest in his power, right? He really doesn't want you to hold the world on your shoulders, right? He doesn't want you to do that, and you don't have to do that. Next, Mary magnifies God's mercy, He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. and Mercy is not getting what we deserve. And as Mary looks at the history of her people who constantly turn away from God again and again and again, as she looks at her own history, she turned away from God again and again and again. She rejoices in his mercy. I love what Micah, you know, the Savior's coming from Bethlehem prophet. I like what he says about mercy. There's no God like you. You forgive those who are guilty of sin. You do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. Aren't you glad he is? Any sinners in this room? <laughs> hey. Aren't you glad that God delights? I mean, we're not twisting his arm. God delights in not treating you and me as our sins deserve. That's pretty awesome, amen? Amen. Next, Mary magnifies God's way, how God does things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. And first world America, hard to get that, right? You know, poor third world people understand what it's like to be poor. We don't, right? We got no clue. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He's brought down princes from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. See, our our God is so, he's like unpredictable, right? He he does things that we wouldn't expect. Like Isaiah said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. and My ways are far beyond anything you could ever imagine. I mean, he does crazy things. I mean, and he uses, the people God uses is kind of crazy, right? I mean, Moses, a murderer. (laughs) Rahab, a prostitute. Uh, A war orphan named Esther. Yeah. Elizabeth, an elderly woman. Mary, a teenage girl, right? Joseph, a blue-collar worker. And, and lowly shepherd tending her flocks at night. But here's the deal. Our, our, our God is always on the side of the humble, the hurting, and the hungry. He, he cheers on the orphan and the widow. He's for the preborn, the elderly, the poor, the disabled, the deaf, the blind, and the feeble. And God often uses the most unlikely people to fulfill his purposes. And next, Mary magnifies God's promises. He's helped his servant, the people of Israel, remember to show them mercy as he promised to our ancestors to Abraham, to his children forever. Abraham lived about 2,000 years. I always think, Abraham, 2,000 years before Jesus. David, hundred, 1,000 years before Jesus, right? That's And so 2,000 years before Jesus, God made this promise. And see what Mary knows, Mary knows that that the life growing inside of her is the fulfillment of all the promises that God made to his people. Yeah, they waited a long time and the road was long and it got steep. But God, as he always does, God keeps his promises. I love this in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 20. All of God's promises... Have been fulfilled in Christ with the resounding Yes. Yes. See, the song of the first Christmas is the good news that God's promise has been fulfilled, the true king has come. The kingdom is at hand, and that deliverance and freedom and forgiveness and mercy and grace and living hope and redemption was literally growing inside of a 14-year-old girl and would soon be born. Because God keeps his promises, always. Now, the way may get rough and the road may be rocky and the climb may be steep and it may seem like it will never happen, but God always keeps his promises. Which is why the psalmist cries out, I rejoice in your promise as if I found a great treasure. Listen, one of the greatest gifts, right, Mary magnifies is that God keeps his promises. Proof, right? Right there. And there's so many great promises I, that I love, right? I, I love Romans 8.18. I, I consider that my present suffering, are you having a hard time? Paul says, I consider my present suffering, right? And he understood hard times. I consider my present suffering is not worth comparing to the glory that one day be revealed. Romans 8.28, what does he say? God causes all things to work together for the good. For those who love him are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 37, right? And then all things, right, we are more than, we're more than conquerors. Through our own strength, our own intellect, our own ability? No. Through Christ. I love the promise in Galatians 6, 9. Do not become weary in doing good at the proper time, you'll reap a harvest if you don't give up. You know, this week I reflected on that, and I, I was, his, I, I, get, I don't know about you, I get worried of doing good, and not getting the harvest that I want when I want it. And, and, and as me and God, when I say God, I'm talking to God, it's not like, you know, James Earl Jones voice comes booming out of the sky. Uh, but I, I, I really felt him say that, because like I'm, God, I'm ready to see some harvest, and it's like, I heard him say, Steve, if The proper time for you to get your harvest is until you see me face to face. Are you okay with that? Like, you you got to wait till then because it's going to be good. Will you be okay? And I had to say, I I want to be okay. I want to be okay not just here but here because I guarantee you that harvest in heaven, right? You may not see it here. But I'll tell you what, God keeps his promises, right? And what does he say? You will reap a harvest if you don't give up. And if you're thinking about throwing in the towel today, tapping out, I'm telling you, don't give up. Keep do- it's always the right thing to do the right thing. Amen? Right? Amen. It's always the right thing to do the right thing. Not to get the right results, just because it's the right thing. So Mary's song, The Magnificat, <laughs> is about a great and all-powerful God who delights in showing mercy, who came to deliver forgiveness, grace, and redemption, who champions the cause of the weak, who uses the ordinary and the humble, who uses those who have a faith without borders, a God who always is watchful and mindful, taking notice of us, of me, and of you, and a God who always keeps his promises. And may what was said of Mary be said of us in that regard. You are blessed. You are blessed because you believe in what Jesus has done, in what Jesus has said, and what Jesus said He's gonna do. You're blessed. I tell you what, you'll be blessed if you believe those things that God cares, and that, that God is mighty, and that God loves you, and that God has a plan for your life, and that He's not done with you yet, right? And that his ways are higher than your ways and no matter what you've done he wants to show you mercy no wonder we say not happy holidays right <laughs> but merry merry Christmas because there's a lot to be merry about amen, amen. God we love you and oh, Holy Spirit thank you for inspiring your word and Holy Spirit I pray that you give each of us a word right now because you didn't bring us here without a purpose and a plan. I pray for that person who needs to know that, that you care. I pray for that person who is doing the right thing and not seeing the results. that I pray they know that you will keep your promise, that you will, you're a promise keeper. I pray for those who are running out of strength that they realize that you are God that you are mighty and you're powerful. God, I pray for those who feel overlooked and know that they'll know that you often use people who are humble and bend their knee before you. And God, I pray that each of us will just celebrate who you are and celebrate the fact that you came to this earth to love on us and to be with us. In Jesus' name, amen.